going up with the cows. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World. That's right, this is the Anarchist World, broadcast across Australia, north to south, east to west, in New South Wales, Victoria, Fargaminda, Queensland. No, Fargaminda isn't a state. The ACT, Tasmania, West Australia, the Northern Territory, and South Australia, the state everybody forgets. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to freecr.org.au. The program is brought to you courtesy of the Community Radio Network, a federation of community radio stations across this land. If you want to know what is all about, simple, very simple. If I can understand it, means anybody else can. Anarchos without rulers. Simple concept. Without rulers. If you want, how do you create a society without rulers? Debatable. Debatable. But two things you need to do is you need to devolve power, that means break down hierarchy, and you need to hold wealth in common. What causes rulers the ability to exercise power? Inequalities in power and wealth. And do you think living in a parliamentary democracy is all about living in an egalitarian community? Open the window, close your eyes. No, don't jump. Don't jump. You could damage the road. Have a look around you. We can see that uh, representative democracy really does not deliver the goods. But we'll be talking about that later on in the program. Now, now I'm afraid this is one of these programs where we're going to ask you to do things. So if you're a member of the Gunner tribe, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Or if you're a member of the somebody should do something about that tribe... Australia's biggest tribe after the Gunner tribe, well then, this is your chance to join the minority faction. You can become part of the activist tribe, Australia's smallest but most powerful tribe, the activist tribe. So listen in and we'll tell you how you can be transformed from a Gunner and a Kudder to a Doer. My name's Joseph Scar. I'm hosting today's program. I'm confused. I really am confused. I am really confused. I don't make many comments about overseas events, but we made this this program. But I'm confused. Now, the Groper, sorry, I need to show him some respect, President Donald Groper, President of the USA, of the USA, tells us how to grope women, and he's the president. Then we see Mr Weinstein get him what he deserves and you wonder 
What's the problem? What's the problem? Well, one's rich and a little bit powerful, and the other one's rich and powerful. So obviously if you're rich and powerful, you can get away with anything. Not just in the land of the long, oh, the brave and the three, but in the land of the fair go. Just thought I'd throw that in. I mean, you know, that's the way it seems to go. Now, I'm interested in Telstra. And I'll tell you why I'm interested in Telstra, because, no, I don't have shares. I can assure you I have no shares in anything. I don't even have shares in the little bit of superannuation I have, so you can relax. But it's interesting, isn't it? We had the uh, CEO of Telstra shaking his hand. I mean, what's the word? Playing with his hands, telling us how they're going to improve customer service. Well, I've got a deep throat in Telstra. It's always good to have a deep throat in any organisation. And now everybody knows that Telstra has, you know, offshored 10,000 call centre workers. And to a large degree, the dissatisfaction with, you know, the customer dissatisfaction is related to that uh, call. But it's going to get worse for Telstra because... They have now implemented a plan at board level. That's right. Our deep throat goes right up to broad board level. They've implemented a plan to outsource 2,500 technical staff. Because as you know, a lot of the technical stuff is done on the net these days. So they've got a plan to outsource 2,500 technical staff and stop a, num- uh, a number of uh, technical out-of-hours assistants. A whole, you know, big changes are up for Telstra. And I thought, isn't this incongruous? Here we've got the chairman or the CEO, I think it was the CEO, I'm not sure who it was, the chairman or the CEO, wringing his hands and telling us how they're going to make it all better. At the same time, behind the scenes, they're about to outsource 2,500 technical staff. And you wonder why we have so many issues in the land of milk and honey. You wonder why. Now, these are just two, just two little things that have been annoying me, just annoying me, just a little bit, not much, just annoying me, just a touch. Because what I'd like to do today is I'd like to look at the question of... Uh, development because since the decline in the so-called mining boom which is a boom for a a few corporations not a boom for the Australian people what we've seen is a lot of money and a lot of effort going into the real estate boom both residential and industrial but mainly residential and we are seeing these satellite cities being developed 50, 60, 70 kilometres from the nation's CBDs and the nation's major capital cities. And I'm not very familiar with development uh, protocols in the uh, rest of Australia, but I'm very familiar with development protocols in the city of Melbourne and regional Victoria. Very familiar because my work takes me out into those areas every week. 
and it's extraordinary the amount of growth which is occurring in the growth corridors. And the other extraordinary thing you see is how few facilities, not just state-owned facilities like uh, you know hospitals and uh, schools and preschools, but private facilities uh, are available to residents in these areas. And when you add the commuting time it takes, because most of these uh, outer outer suburbs don't have a good public transport uh, mix, you begin to realise that somebody's making a buck out of all this. So I'm going to discuss with you how it all works. Now, it may work differently in Sydney or, you know, or Darwin or Adelaide, but I doubt it. Now, what happens is the Victorian government, its wisdom, the Andrews-led Labor government, the people's government, excuse my cynicism, says this area will now become residential development. They put a little kind of line around it. This is going to be a new suburb, Okay. Now, once that line is put around that new suburb, in this master plan, it says there should be so many schools, so many health clinics, so many hospitals. Okay? That's in the master plan. But the master plan doesn't actually allocate space for these facilities. So when the land is gazetted from farming or, or rural to urban, what happens is the developers, and there's only about seven or eight major companies which have got the resources to uh, do this type of mass development, or even before it's gazetted, because obviously uh, you know, rumours abound about what's going to be gazetted and when it's going to be gazetted, they descend on the area and negotiate with the uh, local farmers and buy around 60 to 70% of the land which is gazetted within these boundaries, which is going to change from rural to residential. Okay? So you think, yes, and then they leave the rest alone. You're thinking, what's all this about? What's all this about? Well... These developers normally pay the state government $90,000 per 400 square metre block. Because most blocks in these areas are quite small, three to 400 square metres. And that's why you don't actually see gardens in these new developments. So the state government gets $90,000 on these areas that have been gazetted, which have been bought by developers now, that pays for the infrastructure for that particular block. It pays for the roads, it pays for the sewerage, it pays for putting the uh, you know, electricity underground, etc., etc. That's $90,000, which ka goes into the pocket of the state government. So it all sounds very good now, doesn't it? It sounds all above board. No issues. But then what happens is the developer 
And again, we're not talking about people developing one or two blocks. We're talking about people developing hundreds, if not thousands, of blocks. Because as I said before, there's only seven or eight major corp- development corporations which can actually have got the resources to do this type of mass development. So the developer tells the state government, under the area that's been gazetted, we're not going to build any schools or leave land aside for schools or hospitals because 25 to 30% of the rural land hasn't been acquired by the developers. And what happens is that these sites are then pushed into the bits of rural land which is left, which is not owned by the developers. So the developer is able to develop the area they own legally without every square metre of the area they own, without having to allocate any space to schools or hospitals. So what you could find is that if a farmer holds out because they enjoy their lifestyle and they're old and they don't want to move, that all these so-called schools and hospitals which should be built in this new gazetted suburb will be, on, in theory, on the map, be pushed into this little bit of land that hasn't been sold. So all those other, all the major developers do not need to allocate land for essential infrastructure. So that's why when you go to these new outer suburbs, you don't see essential infrastructure. And more importantly, you don't see the space for that essential infrastructure. Now, this problem could be resolved with the stroke of a pen. Because before, once the land is gazetted, or just before it's gazetted, the state government could quite clearly say that in this zone, we need so many schools, we need so much open public space, we need We need space for some type of state-owned medical clinic. But they don't. They allow the developers to bypass that responsibility and develop every square inch of the land they have acquired to build residential property on. So it's a win-win situation for the state government because they get their $90,000 per three to 400 square metres to develop, provide necessary infrastructure for residential areas. It's a win for the developer because they don't have to allocate any land to uh, parks, schools, hospital, clinics. The farmers that hold out are losers because the value of their property drops because segments of it have to provide these infrastructure at a later date. And the residents are the big losers because they've got no infrastructure. They have basic infrastructure but no community infrastructure, no hospital, no no schools, no preschools, no public parks. And if you think I'm making this up, check it out because I'm not. 
as I said, we do have deep throats all over Australia and uh, it's always nice to talk to people in the planning office of the Victorian state government because bureaucrats are very angry. Very angry at how they're being forced to basically act as a cheer squad for developers and ignore the needs of Victorians and ignore the needs, not just Victorians, but the needs of people across this country who are trying to put a roof over their heads. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I mean, sometimes even I'm lost for words, and that's a bit hard because um, I can talk, you know, in a Hessian bag under a six feet of concrete, I can still talk. But I'm, I'm just lost for words regarding our beloved Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull and the Liberal National Party's new energy reliability policy. I'm just lost for words. And I'm, I'm lost for words at how we, one of the most resource-rich country on planet Earth and one of the major gas ex- exporters on planet Earth, finds ourselves in this situation where we have an energy reliability crisis and people are talking about blackouts during summer across the country. I mean, it's bizarre. It is truly bizarre. It reminds me of the potato famine, not that I was around, in Ireland. I think it was in the 1840s. Or fifties, I could be. A bit, I've got my dates mixed up. But the fact was, not one Irish person needed to starve. And the reason people starved during the potato famine was because the landlords continued to export goods to England, food to England, wheat to England, because they got a higher price for their product in England than they would for people who didn't have the resources to buy that product in Ireland. So you had tens of thousands of people die because of economic consideration. And this reminds me, it's the same, it's the same principle. We've got the resources, but we've got an energy crisis, a reliability crisis, because governments at the state and federal level have allowed the private sector, the energy private sector, to maximise their profits by selling stuff overseas without first, you know, quarantining gas and fuel in this country to look after local needs. So in steps, Superboy... Was that Spider-Boy? Malcolm Turnbull, Prime Minister of the country. Well, Prime Minister in waiting because it's a little bit like this. You've got Tony there with his fist up Malcolm's ass, you know, bending Malcolm around like a little puppet on a string. And so they have this great, you know, look at it and the scientists who look at the situation make certain recommendations But because we have 
huge sections of the National Liberal Party that are embedded with the coal industry, embedded with the coal industry, every time some logical, and that's the key word, logical, rational solution to the problem emerges... It's sabotaged by the trolls in the Liberal National Party and my apologies for trolls, to trolls for comparing them with certain members of the Liberal National Party. I don't think any troll deserves to be compared to them but I need to do the analogy. Because of their support for the coal industry. It's just bizarre. And it's all compounded by the fact that most of the states which are responsible for energy production have privatised essential infrastructure. We wouldn't have a reliability crisis today if the state-owned energy companies weren't privatised in the last 20 to 30 years. Because you know you could use taxpayers' dollars to ramp up production, or decide into which area to invest in. But no, 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 we do it the, a different way, and that's what I love about the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution. Yes, I know you're waiting for me to put that word words into the into our little conversation, but that's the problem, isn't it? You need the private sector because the state sector has washed its hands of any responsibility to provide essential infrastructure and says, oh, we've got a reliability problem. We'll have to give more money to the private sector. We'll have to remove more regulations. We'll have to destroy their competition in the renewable energy sector because they're getting a little bit of traction. So they want we change all the rules to give our mates in the coal industry the go-ahead to continue to produce energy at a huge cost, not just to taxpayers, but to the community as a whole for increased greenhouse emissions. Just extraordinary when you think about it. This is no solution. You want a solution? Instead of providing bounties and corporate welfare to the energy sector and instead of trying to destroy their competition within the energy sector, why don't we just say energy production is an essential commodity. It should be run and owned by the people of this country. If you want energy reliability... You create state-owned facilities whose ownership is incorporated in the Australian Constitution so future governments can't sell them when they think they've got an economic issue. And that provides energy reliability. And at the same time, you can phase out coal in an orderly way and increase the amount of energy which comes from solar 
and wind. You don't have to rely on the private sector to look at the situation and say, hmm, can we make enough profit if we go into this industry considering the lack of government policy and the gov- you know, in this area? So anybody who thinks this is a game changer, according to Malcolm, needs to have their head read. This is more of the same bumbling crap that we've had to put up with over the last four years of the Malcolm uh, of the Abbott Turnbull government because they are prisoners. They are prisoners of the corporate sector. They don't represent the interests of the people as a whole. They only represent the interests of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. And if you think they're going to come up with any interesting, viable solutions to energy reliability while decreasing greenhouse emissions, think again. They're not. They don't have the philosophical, intellectual, ideological capacity to consider alternatives which don't suit their masters because I know this, it's a horrible th- sight of me talking about, you know, ter- um, Abbott's fist up Turnbull's ass and telling him how to play, but you've got the coal industry's fist up, up Abbott's ass, telling him how to tell Turnbull how to play the game, and that's what we're seeing. It's a disgusting analogy, I agree. It's totally disgusting. I shouldn't have mentioned it, but... Sometimes when you've got serious situations, you need to make serious amends. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scone, I'm hosting today's program. You can access the program by going to 3cr.org.au. The program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, the PIBSI report, the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Report. First of all, I'd like to thank all those people who went to the Melton Pipsy Picnic on uh, Sunday. Great afternoon. Perfect weather. The only trouble is we are, we're sharing the park with hundreds of other people because, lo and behold, we arrived in the middle of a community festival. That's good. A lot of colour and action. But that was good. I'm hoping over the next week or two I'll have some information regarding whether a Pipsy branch has been formed in, Melbourne, in Melton. Uh, people are discussing the matter as we speak. And if they do form a branch as a result of the picnic, we'll let you know. Don't forget the Alambi picnic, Alambi South Community Centre, which will be at 55 Mirabu Yarragon Road in Alambi South, which is in regional Victoria. I think it's between, uh, it's near Maui and Taralgan. Uh, it's on Sunday the 29th of October, 11am to 3.30pm, and you can also get that information by going to the website Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You've got all the um, meetings of the different branches when they meet, where they meet, and obviously members and non-members are welcome to come along, but uh, it's 11am to 3.30pm. That's the Alambi South Community Centre picnic. And while I'm talking about things, about all things Pipsy, look, they don't care. You know that. They don't care if you assemble on the streets and protest. They don't care if you're arrested. The only thing which changes their little minds as far as 
who they obey, whether they obey the corporate sector or us, the people they represent, is the amount of political pressure you can place on them. And as elections still tend to roll around every three to four years in this country, they're a perfect time to put a bit of pressure on them. So, as I said before, we're trying to form a new political party, public interest before corporate interests, whose aims are very simple, to ensure the interests of the Australian public are put before the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. And that that tiny section of the society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange, communication have become so powerful, they are instrumental in setting the parliamentary agenda and determining who governs us, what laws are passed, and in whose interest those laws are passed. And that's why, if you think of the aims, think of corporate sector, fist up Abbott, Abbott, fist up Turnbull, and you can see who's making the decisions. It's time, and it is time, that public interest, the interests of the many, were put before corporate interest, the interests of the few. Now, unlike other political parties like Divided Nation and a plethora of other groups who think the problem somehow is the other in our community, the person of a different religious belief or gender or sexual orientation. Well, we're different, and that's what makes us different. Membership is open to people of all religious beliefs and those who have no religious beliefs. We welcome people of all races, nationalities, genders and sexual orientation. We believe all human beings are born with inalienable rights and liberties no government can legislate away or corporations take away. Simple concepts. Nothing new, nothing radical, but the type of things you would expect. You would have expected, you know, um, you would have expected society to have done or a political party to have done. You would expect it. You know, it's just extraordinary how People forget that that they supposedly represent our interests. Not the interests of uh, the corporate sector. So if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, we have hundreds of members. We know the 150 members to uh, register as a federal political party. And once we've registered as a federal political party, we'll be looking at registering as a state-based party across the nation. If you want to join... It's simple. There's no, no cost. You can leave a message with an address on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can go to the website and download the application form, pibci.net, pibci.net. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Very simple. Stop being a member of the Gunner tribe. Tear up your membership. To s- somebody should do something about that tribe and become a member of public interest before corporate interests. There's no point complaining if you don't do anything about it. I mean, you can complain till the cows come home, and unfortunately the cows won't come home because they own the cows. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia the Community Radio Network. All right, so let's move on. Now, in Victoria... 
And as I live in Victoria, you know, I tend to do things in Victoria. I mean, I'm happy to do things in the other parts of the country as long as you help me pay my fare there so I can have a chat, address a public meeting, but that's another story. In Victoria, the Andrews-led Labor government, the state government, is facing a by-election in the electorate of Northgate. Although there's a state election at the end of next year, they need to have this by-election because of the death of a very popular the very popular former member who was a Labor Party member, a very good local member. So Northcote is about five kilometres from the Melbourne CBD. I would say it would be northeast. No, northwest, northwest. And it takes in four, four, four suburbs and part of a fifth. It takes in Elphington, Fairfield... Northcote, Formbury and parts of Preston. And if you're familiar with Melbourne in that area, it's quite a nice little area. The electorate is bounded on one side on the uh, east by um, Darabin Creek, on the west by Merry Creek, and down the bottom of the electorate by the Yarra River where the Darabin Creek and Merry Creek run into the Yarra River. In the north, it's bounded by... Bell Street. There's about fifty to 55,000 people live in the electorate. It's an interesting electorate. Interesting area. Lots of shops, uh, especially on the uh, high street. It's a mixture of being... It's gentrified, but a large people rent. Over 40% of people rent in the electorate of Northcote. There's a lot of older, elderly residents who need services who live in the electorate of Northcote. There's a migrant community that's lived there for a long time and there's a, a big uh, kind of semi-professional, professional younger community. And the battle for the seat of Northcote basically currently is between the Victorian Greens and the Australian Labor Party. Now, the Liberal National Party won't be fielding a candidate. It's just a waste of their money fielding a candidate because they know they would never win that electorate. I think it was two weeks ago I asked listeners if there's anybody living in that electorate who was interested in nominating me to stand for the electorate for the Northcote by-election on the the, uh, Saturday the 18th of November. I said I was happy to stand on a public interest before corporate interest platform, uh, defend and extend public housing platform. And uh, to my chagrin, I've actually been nominated, so it started. So look, so why? Why bother? Why bother? This is a by-election. I'm not going to win the election, the by-election. And I'll tell you why I bother. Because I'm angry. And I'm annoyed. And it's not healthy to be old, angry and annoyed. And I'm angry and annoyed basically because the Andrews-led Labor government has forgotten why the Labor Party was formed in the 1890s. They seem to have forgotten. Victoria has the lowest percentage of public housing in Australia. The lowest percentage. And the current government is hell-bent on privatising, transferring titles from the public sector, from the state, you know, state-owned 
titles to the community and social housing sector, which are, in essence, private organisations, privately owned organisations. Hellbent. That's its basic policy. It's giving away land to the private sector in public-private partnerships where land, public land has been redeveloped, redeveloped, that land has been redeveloped, which belongs to the public, in order to create private housing and a little bit of public housing. It's just extraordinary. Now, Victoria is in the midst of a housing crisis and so is the rest of Australia. Because what we've done is we've privatised housing. We no longer have a mixed economy as far as housing is concerned. Housing is no longer something you put puts a roof over people's head and gives people security. Housing is an investment proposition. And taxation laws have been changed at the federal level which reward people for owning more than one house. I mean, the latest lurk is very simple. You buy a house, you rent it, you negatively gear it, then you use that rent to rent another house, which somebody else negatively gears. It just goes on and on and on. So I am really annoyed because there's only 25 million of us and we live on a continent and there's no need for a housing crisis. There is no need for a housing crisis. We have a housing crisis because we have privatised public housing. We have jettisoned the idea that housing security is a right. So what do I propose? I propose a very simple thing. And it doesn't take blood in the streets. It doesn't take a revolution. All it takes is a simple vote in Parliament. When I see billions of dollars being wasted on roads, billions everywhere you go, you can see the creation of more and 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 more roads. And billions of dollars being poured into public transport, which are basically mechanisms of people getting around and very little government money going into government-owned, government-managed housing, you understand why we find ourselves in the current situation. It's very simple. Very simple. We find ourselves in the current situation because there is no competition in the private housing market and prices naturally escalate and rents escalate. And as I keep saying, public housing is everybody's business. Everybody's business. It's your business. It's my business. It's your neighbour's business. It's your children's business. Because the greater the stock in public housing, the less, the more pressure to bring down rents and the more pressure to bring down housing prices, especially at the entry level, at the market entry level. It's, it's so simple. So what am I proposing? Proposal is very simple, and this is one of the central platforms of this campaign in the Northcote by-election. And the proposal is very simple. The $6 billion 
that's right, $6 billion that is raised every year from stamp duty. And stamp duty is a state government tax which is paid by people who buy a house or property. It's called stamp duty. Simple. That $6 billion should be quarantined for public housing. Very simple. $5 billion towards building and purchasing new public housing. $1 billion towards maintenance and payment of the, you know, of the necessary staffing that's required to ensure you've got secure public housing. With $5 billion a year, you can spot purchase. What does spot purchase mean? You can spot purchase twenty to 25000 That's right. With $5 billion, the state government could spot purchase twenty to 25000 new units and houses around the state every year. That would accommodate up to a million people in about 300 to 350 new public thousand new public houses within a decade so public housing wouldn't just be for desperate circumstances as we have it today only for the very desperate but public housing could then be housing for people who will never be able to enter the property market. And the beauty about public housing does a number of things. It provides security in terms of the schools your children go to, the friends they mix with, the community organisations and facilities you interact with. It's not like rental housing where you've got to move every you know few years, maybe every six months, six months if you're unlucky. So you've got that security. And if you house people... And you only charge them 25% of their income, as we've seen public housing in Victoria, for that long-term residence. It has a, a huge number of positive impacts on the community. It decreases crime. It decreases family violence. It, it improves educational outcomes for children who never are going to get much out of the education system because of their transient type of lifestyle as far as housing is concerned. It frees up extra money into the community in terms of individuals' purchasing power because instead of paying 40, 50, 60% of income on rent or mortgage repayments every week, you're only paying 25%. So that other money that's freed up can help you know, push along the uh, the economy. So it improves employment prospects by increasing the number of jobs. So it's a it's a no brainer. It's a win 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 situation. No brainer. You won't get one candidate in the Northcote by election, or one commentator in this country, or one politician in this country getting up and saying. This is what we need to do. We need to create a mixed economy where you've got both public and private housing together. So a few things about this by-election. I'm going to do what I can 
I'm only one person and I need, obviously going to need help and a lot of help. I'm not asking people for money. I feel so strongly about this campaign, I will be funding my own campaign from, from my own resources. Because I don't want anybody to say to me, you owe something to somebody. Because I owe nobody anything as far as this campaign is concerned. Nothing, because it's self-funded. I'm funding it myself. But I do need assistance. So if you are interested in things like public health, public parks, public infrastructure, public entertainment, public arts, public education, public housing, well then, this is the type of campaign that you should get involved in. If you're interested in the many, not the few. Now, I need assistance starting this Friday. This Friday, which is the 20th of October, and I need feet on the ground. I need people to put out leaflets and letterboxes. I need people at the pre-polling booth, and that starts this Friday at 8.30am. I will be there this Friday, and the pre-polling booth is at 111 Station Street, Fairfield, in Melbourne, 111 Station Street, Fairfield, and I need people there this Friday. It's not far from the Fairfield Railway Station, a few hundred metres walk, that's all it is. And then obviously I'll need 50 or 60 people on Saturday the 18th of November to cover all the polling booths. Not because I go into this election thinking I'm going to win. Obviously I'm not going to win. I've got a snowflake's chance in hell of winning. But what I want to do is I want to put the Andrews-led Labor government on notice. They currently have a two-seat majority in the Legislative Assembly. And their lacklustre parliamentary performers are getting into trouble every day. Now, the Greens have pre-selected an activist as their candidate, Lydia Thorpe. I normally do not allocate preferences when I go into an election, but as Lydia Lydia Thorpe has a great pedigree as an activist, not a gunner or somebody should do something about that, but an activist, I'll be recommending that people who vote for me give their second vote to Lydia. And I'm hoping that the Greens will win this seat and cut the parliamentary Labor Party's majority down to one before the next state, Victorian state election in the next year. And I'll tell you why. Because Cabinet would then be concerned about losing another three or four inner-city s- seats to the Greens at the next state election. And the Greens would then hold, the Victorian Greens would then hold the balance of power. And currently... The Victorian Greens are pursuing a policy of protecting public housing. I want the Victorian Greens to make it into extending public housing and I want them to put it in their policy platforms, the $6 billion that's raised every year from stamp duty is quarantined for public housing every year. And you don't have to build huge estates, you spot purchase. With $5 billion, you can buy a unit here, 
a house there, a unit there, a unit there, a house there. You can do it within a few months. And the beauty about spot purchasing, government-owned homes, is the fact that people who can't afford to buy or have trouble renting become part of a community. They're not all herded together in the same block of flats, flats, but become part of a community. Look, I've been a doctor for over 42 years and I have many patients who are profoundly physically disabled who I visit at home and many of them are in public housing in Victoria and many of them are in spot-purchased houses and they integrate with the community around them. They are valuable members of that community. So instead of shunting people away in virtual ghettos, by spot purchasing, what you can actually do is improve the lives of everybody. Give people an understanding of what it's like to live on a limited income. Because for far too long... It's all been about stereotypes. You know? Oh, they're welfare recipients. Oh, oh, well, you know, what do you expect from that? And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So, you're sick of being a member of the Gunner tribe? You are sick of being a member of... Somebody should do something about that tribe? You're sick of getting internet RSI as you, you know sign up to all these petitions, well, this is a great chance. Bit of sunshine, bit of walking, meet people, political discussion, raise new ideas about putting the the interests of the many before the interests of the few. Great idea. Great ability to have an impact. An impact on the current government to force it to change its misguided policies as far as public housing is concerned. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australian Community Radio Network. Look, you can come to the Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant tonight at 20 Smith Street, Fitzroy. I usually have a Wednesday night dinner for interested people, a bit of a conversation. If you want to help in the campaign, come down. If you can't come down tonight and you want to help, help in the campaign, leave a message on 0439 395-489-0439-395-489. You can leave a message on info. Email me at info at pibsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Info, I-N-F-O, at pibsi dot net. And I'm going to need one or two people every day, except Saturday and Sunday, from Friday the 20th of October to Friday the 17th of November at the pre-polling booth because I expect at least 10,000 people will pre-poll. At least 10,000 electors will At one venue, 111 Station Street, Fairfield. I'll be there at 8.30 every morning. Hopefully people can come and, you know, take over and I'll be there at 6 o'clock every evening, Monday to Friday, starting this Friday the 20th of October. So, see you there, 8.30 sharp. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australian Community Radio Network. 
We've had a few questions asked about the Fantine um, weekend. Francesco Fantine was an Italian anarchist who was murdered at Camp Love Day in 1842. It's the 75th anniversary of his murder. Once again, we'll be going down to the Murchison Cemetery on Sunday the 12th of November. We'll be there at 10am to pay our respects to Francesco. I'll talk more about that next week. And as I said before, there's lots of things you can get involved. Don't forget the Defend and Extend Public Housing campaign, which has been held in Victoria, and the rally, which will be held today, Wednesday, the 18th of uh, October at midday. Come along, get involved. Lots of things we get involved in, because I said it's not just about public housing. A good, strong, mixed economy, as far as public housing is concerned, can resolve or help to resolve a lot of issues that we face today. So, the ball's in your court. Don't ring me up and complain. I'm sick of people complaining. I cannot deal with it anymore. I'm too old for people to complain. You got an issue? Deal with it. Try to deal with it. You want change? Tear up your membership of the Gunner Tribe. Burn your something. Somebody should do something about that. About that membership card you've got. Burn it. Become part of the activist brigade. Small brigade. Very powerful. Very active. Join me in this Northcote by-election. Let's get some ideas across. Let's put a bit of pressure. Let's set the cat amongst the parliamentary pigeons. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. 3cr.org.au. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Want to become part of the Northcote campaign? Info at pipsy.net. Info at pipsy.net. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Scott. I'll be hosting today's program. Don't forget the rally, Wednesday the 18th of October, midday, steps to the Victorian Parliament House. Thank you once again to the people of the Community Radio Network for ensuring this program is heard across Australia via the Community Radio Network. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.